Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to this latest episode of Great Quarter Gals, the show where we talk all things leading ladies in the freight world. I'm Kaylee Nix. Joining me is Grace Sharkey. Grace, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to our airwaves once again. Yeah, happy Tuesday. Good to see you. It's, uh, I love this show. I love doing this every week. It's a good time. Good, especially working from home, you know, some good one-on-one uh, lady time as always. So I, love I love it. This. <laughs> I love it. Good vibes, good times, and a great Tuesday where we have a really, really good show lined up for us again today. I feel like we say that every single week, but also once again, today <laughs> is going to be great. So not only do we have a good show today, Grace, I think that what we gathered on Freight Waves Now this morning was that you're very excited for today because Starbucks has officially dropped their pumpkin spice drinks. And I got to know, how how has it been for you so far? Are you on the pumpkin spice latte train? Are you on the pumpkin, pumpkin cream cold brew train? What you got going on? Uh, I'm not a cold brew fan because that stuff's intense. Uh, I always uh, feel overloaded and almost unproductive, but I will say I'm, I'm completely down one and uh, got the, I like to make it myself. So I got the syrup uh, to move forward making this from home, but no, I'm a big pumpkin spice fan and I'm one of those that keeps it going throughout the year. I like to find the Starbucks that still have it around like February and there's a few out there. So just because it's uh, Christmas time doesn't mean they still don't have it in the back. Always ask for it. That's for sure. <laughs> there you go. A thrifty queen making your own PSL. I love to see the economics there. And it's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it's my favorite season. I'm, I'm just there waiting for peppermint mochas. That's all that I wait for every year. Yeah. Not a fan of that minty uh, taste in my coffee, but hey. To each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Exactly right. Well, let's move on into our topics today. We've got a great guest lined up where we're going to be talking a little bit about women and data analysis, getting into a role from a familial standpoint, having great mentors in your life, which of course we love talking about. But before we get there, we've got another new study released by Women in Trucking, talking about some data collection and some splits of where women really lie in this industry. The results, I'm not going to lie, they were a little bit shocking to me. A hundred percent. There was definitely a few categories I was surprised to see so high, but I also um, know that there's a lot of really great um, kickbacks, governmental kickbacks from companies in this industry that are female led. So um, if we want to actually bring up the chart really quick and and dive into it, um, there was really great results when we're looking at kind of the the higher roles within trucking companies. Um, So first we have our C-suite executives that came in about 33.8% of companies, those roles are held by women. Uh, We also have about 39 or 40% of all company leadership roles are held by women. Um, And another pretty high one was board of directors. 31% of those roles are held by women. And this is for everyone out there, about 180, yes, 180 different companies with the industry. These are their averages. So I was happy to see that because we've talked about that a lot, getting more women into these higher roles. Um, and then, of course, uh, one I wasn't surprised by is HR and talent management. Uh, close to 75% are helped by women. I think uh, that's that's something that uh, I'm used to seeing. You go to job fairs, there's always usually a female smiling face behind the table. Uh, but, uh, Keely, if you want to dive into some of the lower ones, those are the ones that I was actually very surprised were well below 
even a quarter percent. Absolutely. And I actually kind of want to touch on that HR talent management one really fast as yeah. well, because it's really high. It's almost 75%, which we talk a lot about females being too few and far between in the industry, but we also tend to shy away from, I think, where females are overrepresented, which can kind of be a controversial topic, right? It's, it's, thought of as kind of a woman's role to get into the people management side of things, right, Grace? And that one honestly really shocked me. But going back to those ones that are really underrepresented, technicians and professional drivers down in those 3.7 for technicians, 13.7 for drivers. Yeah, I'll tell you what actually makes me the most nervous out of these two is the technician side. And the reason being is we're about to go into, and I mean, even what, next week? Yes, next week we have our AV electric vehicle uh, summit, right? And we're going to be talking about a lot of these high-tech truck technologies. And there's going to be a huge gap of labor when it comes to these technician roles, especially focusing on the newer technologies coming to trucks. So if we're only seeing that 3.7% of those roles are held by women, right there we're showcasing that there's almost, what, what are we sitting at, 52% of the population that's not being um, attracted to, to this industry in a role that's going to be needed more than ever in the future. So uh, and, and past that, professional drivers are sitting at 13.7%. And I think that's been around 12 mostly for the past couple of years. So there's a... a a little tick in it, but those are two roles that really do need the labor behind it. Not saying that the other ones aren't important. Those are very um, high level roles that will lead to a lot of change. But to see, especially technicians at 3.7%, uh, it makes me very nervous for the labor shortage of the future that we're definitely going to need when it comes to the, the re- technology revolution of trucks in, in the future. Absolutely. And the thing that really makes me nervous about that aspect is how much emphasis is being put on those positions for women who are just starting to enter the workforce, right? How much of that emphasis is being put on women saying, you know what, maybe let's talk about your options for a trade school to get into a mechanic technician role. How much of an option is still lies in that implicit bias that goes when you are a woman entering the physical laborious STEM fields and how much discouragement happens when you enter those. That's something that I think we're going to talk to our guests a little bit about too is specifically on the data side and and the kind of computer science data analytics side of things that I'm really excited to dig into. But the study really enlightening once again from women in trucking. And of course, you can find that in your uh, edition of the logbook that was published this weekend. Before we head to our guest, Grace, I want to mention a really great story that John Gallagher is working on right now where the FMCSA has a, I think it's a 16-person women in trucking advisory board that they have now nominated and named a huge subset of women to everyone from current drivers, former drivers, C-suite executives, some post-secondary and secondary education teachers and educators on that transportation board. We're working hard to hopefully get somebody from FMCSA to talk to us about this as well. So kudos to the FMCSA for taking this issue to heart and looking at how they can solve these problems as well. You know, 100% and bring up the the teacher aspect and everything as well. You know what's really going to solve that low 3.7 and 13.7% is getting this knowledge of this career into uh, females' lives as early as possible. And I was just going to mention, you know, Women in Trucking even does uh, a bunch of uh, really great Girl Scout initiatives. Being able to show women at a younger age that these jobs are available and that they're cool and fun and creative and allow you to 
uh, to dive into more of those STEM skills is going to mean more than ever. So I'm really happy that that board is so diversified because I think when I see 3.7, that's nothing that a uh, an incentive of a higher paycheck is going to fix. That is uh, engraved in roles that are for women and not for women that need to be changed over time. And that's going to take teaching these skills and these STEM skills as early as possible. Absolutely. So with that, Grace, let's go ahead and move on to our guest today. Super exciting to have Hannah Tastani with us, who is CEO of Intelligent Audit. And Hannah, welcome to the show and congratulations on stepping into your role as CEO of Intelligent Audit. First thing, give us a little bit of a background on yourself. How'd you come into this role and what are you excited to take on now as a leader? Thank you for having me. Um, that's a lot. So I would say um, as as a CEO and as a woman in supply chain, there's probably um, unique opportunities that I think I have and others have to really help elevate others. Um, so I got into this space um, roundabout way. So my father started this company uh, 25 years ago, um, but I had no interest in ever working for him. Uh, so. I went to school, I went to finance, I was at Goldman in a trading capacity, and then 2009 happened. And my dream job was working at Lehman, and Lehman went under. So I was like, oh, do I really want to work in finance? Um, <laughs> and my dad was like, well, I'd love to have you here if you're interested. And it just got to a point where it made sense. Um, it was before supply chain was sexy. Um, I think it's definitely getting there now. A lot of a lot of students and I think in general people understand supply chain because it's impacted everyone. So um, it's been a pretty big transformation, but I think my biggest opportunity is really outside of being a CEO at Intelligent Audit. I think the biggest voice I have is just showing other right. younger women that you can do it. Right. I mean, I am married. I have three kids and I love working and I love being, you know, a CEO in a, you know, mostly male dominant industry between supply chain or logistics and technology. There's not a lot of needs when I go to trade show. So I think it, it helps show others that it's possible. And it gives me a huge opportunity to just uh, blow people away because they don't expect anything. So when the expectations are so low and I can come in and do anything that is slightly um, impactful, it just makes it that much easier to be successful. A hundred percent. I remember actually one of my first uh, interviews was with you uh, when you took on this role. And uh, I really loved the conversation because I could tell that uh, when it came to just being a woman in the industry, that's not re really pushed you to, to take on the roles that you are now, right? It was almost, uh, you had this really great um push behind you to just conquer the goals that you set in front of you, regardless of your gender. And I think a lot of that mm -hmm. comes from the way that uh, we are raised, right? And Kaylee and I always talk about a lot of the females in our life that have pushed us to to follow our goals. But what I love about your story is, right, is that you're, you took over this role from your father, which showcases how important a father figure can be in a woman's life over time. How do you feel like your dad has empowered you to eventually take over this role and to conquer all these goals that you've set in front of you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
I would say being a woman has not helped me be where I am today. If anything, I overcame that. Um, and anytime someone's like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a women's CEO conference. I'd love to have you. And it's like, drop the woman, just have a CEO conference and invite me to that one. Uh, because I just happen to be a woman, but it's not like it's impacted, you know, how I, how I behave or I hope, you know, how others um, see me. But um, the dad question is complex because um, in some perspective, he wanted me to succeed and he was my biggest cheerleader. And in the other perspective, he was um, my biggest guardian. And he was worried that, you know, me being out in the industry would not be perceived well by this by by people who either we partner with or our customers because they're so different for me. So um, when when I started to push heavily to become CEO, um, his biggest pushback to me was that the industry wasn't ready for me, and it would it would be you know poor in the company for him to make that change. And I said, let me approve it. Let me go out to trade shows. Let me meet partners, customers, potential customers. And, you know, let's see how they react. And if it's negative and, um, and they're, you know, they think that I'm an 18 year old kid, then I'll step down. But if not, I want CEO. And, um, it was a lot of proving myself, but he gave me a great platform to do that. So I'm, I'm infinitely grateful that I was able to become CEO from him in, in a good way. It wasn't like, he was getting sick and I had to take it over or I had to push him out and take it over. So, <laughs> A nice little episode of succession, but uh, intelligent audit style. <laughs> Hannah, I, I love that point and seeing that kind of family transitional handover of a business is something that I think it speaks really, really well to a business who knows what they want and has a clear vision and direction for their goals. And when you touch on not only the fact you said, you know, being a woman is something that you have to overcome, you also have to touch on your youth a little bit, right? I know that I feel this, I feel the imposter syndrome of being not only a woman, but a young woman in transportation, being 25 still, still feeling like I'm fresh out of college, even though I've been out for four years now, it's still every single day is this fight to not only feel like, am I being taken seriously as a woman, but also am I being taken seriously as a young woman? Do you feel like your youth or kind of being not necessarily newer to the industry because you have that, those family ties, but being on the younger side of the spectrum has kind of hindered you or been something else that you have had to overcome as well? Yeah, I would say my gender has probably been less of an issue that at least I can think through than my age or my perceived age. Um, I think many times when I'm in a professional setting, people will bluntly ask me how old I am. Or they'll be like, are you like a college intern? And, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. I just I just yeah. tend to have great skin. Um, so yeah. it, is, it is one of those, I think, opportunities where um, it – and with all of these things, I think um, because we still have these unconscious biases that when you meet someone, you you bucketize them. You think about how you're going to interact with them and what you're going to perceive them to be. And then when you start to have a meaningful dialogue with them, that changes. And it's just it's a huge opportunity. So um, I, I always say, you know, get me into the room, like look past who I am um, and let's 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 figure out if there is something to do here. And um, it 
it just creates infinite opportunities because again, the ba- the the expectation is so low that it just makes it that much easier to to be able to be successful and to to blow people away. I, I completely agree with that. I also agree with the skin skincare regimen. Uh, that is my number one advice to anyone out there. <laughs> Start that young. You'd be surprised how well that works. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm interested in your field, working more with analytics and data. Uh, you know, I come from more of a brokerage background and Kaylee clearly in news. And so we have a different idea of the, the female gaps in those areas. But uh, what is the the average, uh, you know, female percentage of, of workers within data analytics and just analytics in general? And what's that like for you recruiting and, and bringing more women into the space? Yeah, there's really not a lot of women in supply chain, logistics, technology, or analytics. And um, the sucky thing about women is also they're just more, so much more competitive. So um, even when you are a successful woman, it's it's almost like that becomes harder to to have other female colleagues because we're just so much more competitive than like men who are just like happy to all be together and don't really have that same competition. <laughs> um, but there's definitely a huge platform and opportunity to elevate each other. And there's a lot of organizations that I think are aimed to do that in some kind of mentorship capacity, but there's just so much more that needs to be done. and. The good thing is, if if you are diverse, if you're anything that's not a middle-aged white male, basically, there people want to hire you. You just need to be able to perform well, work hard, and you know get lucky in terms of who you know and how you get to contact them or reach out to them. But if you are, then um, most companies are are truly looking to diversify because diverse people bring new ideas are are going to break the mold um, and cause you to think differently. And I think most companies in the analytics space, supply chain, or wherever you might bucketize as, are trying to think outside the box. And it's hard to do that when everyone is the same of of anything. So, you know, trying to bring diversity to to any kind of organization is a tremendous opportunity. And, you know, I was just at the billion dollar roundtable, which is an organization aimed at big fortune companies who all ship over or sorry who all spend over a billion dollars in diverse companies so um meta just got uh, inaugurated um uh, so did um uh, google home depot and there's a lot of big companies there and you just listen to them and they're they want to support diverse companies because they truly think that it helps them serve their customers and their people better so, you know, we have that same mentality. If we want our customer, if we want to serve our customers, we need to be able to think like our customers. And they come across all shapes and sizes. So those competitive women that you talk about who enter this field and then who vie for these positions, they have a pretty long history of being competitive in their education as well to get to the point where they are competitive in their field. And they fight through implicit bias on the education side. You have women who are fighting to get through data programs, through computer science programs, through hard sciences, through any STEM program. And they have to fight that every single day. Do you still see there being implicit bias in post-secondary and secondary education and that having an impact on women choosing to enter our field, either in any aspect of the logistics industry, but also from a technician standpoint, a data analytics standpoint? And is there 
room for professionals in the industry to step down into that post-secondary education and provide mentorship, encouragement, or help to kind of highlight and almost dissipate those implicit biases? Yeah, I, I think that there's tremendous opportunities to um, to step up from a mentorship perspective. I think the barrier to entry um, is low. So I don't think that um, that women aren't entering the market because it's competitive. I really think that until recently, um, logistics was meant to be this like set it and forget it, should be a boring industry, uh, just, you know, how things move. And then now what's evolved is there just so much more opportunities because there's tremendous capability to be able to ship more effectively, whether it is, you know, ocean, air, truckload, parcel. We've all been impacted personally by supply chain issues, and we all understand that it's not as easy as it used to be. Um, and maybe it was always hard, but it just wasn't as sexy because there was no Amazon and there was no XPO and, and there weren't there wasn't freight waves and there wasn't a platform that really told people and taught them about supply chain. So I think we're going to see an elevated group of individuals across the field join supply chain. It also helps that they are wanted more than ever and they'll get paid more than they used to because they are needed. And, you know, I think it just, it's, it's competitive, but you want competition, right? Because that allows you to stand out, be the best, get elevated and, you know, do what you want to do personally. So um, I'm hopeful that, you know, 10 years from now, we look back and, you know, there's tons of people just like us at trade shows and, really, you know, embracing the field and, and empowering the field to be better at what we do in terms of supply chain and data. Very interesting. And in your role, I assume that there are women at Intelligent Audit that uh, really look up to you, right? And especially proving to your father, right, that you can take over this uh, business. Do you do you work in, in mentorships? Because you brought up networking, right? Do you work in and mentor anyone within Intelligent Audit or even outside of the business to, to help bring up and elevate those women now that you've received this role that you've you know worked in and earned so well? Yeah, I definitely try to um, around every area of my life because it's not just, you know, in this in this one role, but it's everywhere I go. Um, and it's I think just in general, people think that it's it's impossible to be able to be young and successful and, and you know, do it all. But it's not It's just a balancing act. and It's what you prioritize. So, um, you know, it's trying to, to show people how to do it, how to balance, how to say no when you're taking on too much and. And then how to say yes the right way, and then how to push yourself in the right ways. That's not going to you know to kill you. Um, and you know I'm a big believer that everyone here. I mean we we all work to live. We don't live to work. And if you can create a balance, you will be better at every element of your life. If you are you know if you work less, I think that you're going to be better at work, and then you're going to be a better you know provider at home to your family, to your spouse, whoever it is. And you know it's it just a question of how do you do it all and how do you juggle it? But if you can do all that and you can achieve that, you will become a better person. And, um, you know, helping others achieve that, I think, is, is a huge opportunity and goal of mine. The work-life balance, absolutely key. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's it's great to have you on. And I'm so excited that we got to have this conversation with you. If people want to learn a little bit more about you guys at Intelligent Audit and kind of watch your journey leading the company as CEO, where can they go to do that? intelligentaudit.com.
So www.dentalgenres.com and you will see all the wonderful information about us, who we are, and how we partner with customers. We're mostly shippers to empower them to ship smarter. Great, Hannah. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. We'll be keeping an eye out for the great things that you guys are doing over there at Intelligent Audit. And Grace wraps up yet another great episode. And I'm so glad every day, as we mentioned, that we get to do the show with you. Favorite thing she said, absolutely the work-life balance piece. That's been so key for me. Yeah. And I even from the, my first interview with her, she's very... She she puts her work ethic first, and it's not about being a, a woman in, in improving the man wrong. It's just proving yourself right, and at the end of the day, that that'll actually take care of of the latter or the the earlier, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that mentality, and that's I think that's really what people need to understand. It's not just about the fact that we're women and we need to you know beat some type of ceiling. No, we make the ceiling. So it's uh, keep pushing Ooh. yourself and you'll, you'll get to where you want to be. Put that on a poster. We don't need to break the ceiling. We make the ceiling. Quote, Gray Sharky. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us today for this episode of Great Quarter Gals. Grace, we got drive time this afternoon. Thomas Watson Show. Thomas Watson, yep. Uh, we also have a new guest as well. And then uh, a full episode of Thomas on Friday is taking over for me. So uh, it's uh, going to be a great week and excited to, to, of course, do the show. Check it out. Love it. <laughs> we'll see you tonight on Drive Time and we'll catch you guys next week for our next episode of Great Quarter Gals. One, two, three, two. Ah!